Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A one, a two. A one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining. The birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. Fifteenth hole, his driver's recommended. Oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> oh, my. G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. It's a pleasure to have you with me as we talk about the Ryder Cup. And we're going to do that with Paul Stevens. Paul is the longest serving caddy on the European tour. He's caddied for pretty much everyone. Uh, Norman, Palmer, Watson, Sergio, Ballesteros, Crenshaw, Faldo, Kel Nagel, Sam Sneed. And famously in 1973 at the Ryder Cup, he was on the bag of Peter Butler when he had the first ever Ryder Cup hole in one. And he was the one who talked him back from one iron to another. And he will tell the story today. So it's a real thrill to have him on the podcast today. He's just brilliant. And he's a very, very good after dinner speaker as well. So I'm going to put his email or his contact details in the show notes. So when you listen to him and you go, God, I'd love him to talk at my golf club. That's how you do it. Look, there are some great Ryder Cup um, podcasts around at the moment. The Ryder Cup run is just brilliant. So for a more detailed um, story on the Ryder Cup and the history, I'd certainly be looking at the Ryder Cup run. But for just a great story and a really lovely storyteller, this is Paul Stevens. Terrific to have Paul Stevens, the singing caddy on Golf the Podcast. And after we'd finished talking a little while ago, he went on and uh, did an after-dinner speech at Manly Golf Club, which from all accounts was brilliant. Paul, welcome back to golf. Thank you, Andrew, and good morning to you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now, listen, I, I was desperate to talk to you because with the Ryder Cup coming up, and I know that you've been involved in two Ryder Cups as a caddy, I thought it'd be good to get a chance to to talk about the inside running on what it's really like. So just what is your Ryder Cup experience to start with? Well, my first one, as you know, uh, Andrew, was uh, 1973, um, which was my infancy in uh, in caddying. Even though I've been a caddy since the age of 12, a club caddy, um, 
I came on the tour in 1972, which was the start of the European tour. And uh, due to success in uh, several tournaments, uh, the player I was carrying for qualified, which is obviously the best way to get in the team for the Ryder Cup team in 1973. Now, at that time, um, it was just Great Britain and, and Ireland, the team. Europe hadn't uh, been involved. And basically, we used to get pretty much tattooed every time by a very strong American side. Um, the names that, uh, that they came I mean, that, that year in particular, uh, 1973, uh, off the top of my head, the two guys that we played against, Nicholas and Weisskopf, other guys, Casper, Trevino, Lou Graham, Chi-Chi Rodriguez, Dave Hill. I mean, the list was fantastic. Yeah. And only to be exceeded by the dream team uh, at uh, Walton Heath, uh, in 1981, where they, they put a team together that year that did, defied all comprehension. It was, it was the dream team. Um, so, as I say, at that time, we used to get pretty much well beaten. And because of that, I think we'd only won uh, three times, twice at uh, Southport and Ainsdale, close to where I lived, and also at Lindrick. Um, we'd only won on those occasions in, in, in years. And um, Jack Nicholas, fair play to him, uh, went to Lord Derby, who was the head of the um, the PGA in uh, in England at Norsley Hall, not far from where I lived, and and said to him, "Look, I think you should really get uh, the Europeans involved." <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, because at that time, you know, Sevi had. Uh, I mean, we, there there have been good Spanish players. I carried for a guy called Ramon Sota. Now. A lot of people don't know that that's Sevi's name, Sota. His name is Severiano Ballesteros Sota. I carry for his uncle, Ramon Sota, who was a very good player. Yeah. And um, Manuel yeah. Ballesteros was already on tour. And then uh, Sevi came on tour at the back end of my record season, 1974, with Peter Oosterhaus, uh, when we won the Order of Merit by a country mile. Uh, with a total, I might say, of £33,000. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and that daylight yeah. came second. So that gives you an idea of the money involved in the game. And uh, Seve came on to a right at the end of that season, and he finished uh, second uh, to Oosterhouse in his first uh, event. And I made a friendship with him then, uh, got on famous with him, and, and since then he asked me to carry him several times, which, which I didn't uh, because I was carrying for a a guy that was number six in the world, Mark McNulty, who was a great player. And uh, also, uh, uh, I, was, um, I, was, I was happy in that job. I, I didn't want to affect my friendship. I, yeah. I was very close with Seve. Yeah. And, and a lot of these uh, relationships ended acrimoniously, Andrew. But anyway, that's the, the that's... basic background. Manuel Pinero was another a great Spanish player. And also, Seve did fix me up with a, a, a great guy called Jose Rivero another Spanish player who, along with Canizares, made a great uh, contribution to the Ryder Cups. And uh, so that was uh, basically, uh, and don't forget Bernard Langer as yeah. well at that time. So, you know, with, with, with uh, Jack Nicholas's presentation to Lord Derby, uh, that uh, was fulfilled and, and Europe came in and lo and behold, uh, pretty soon uh, after that, uh, you know, because it, 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 it all went haywire at Walton Heath when, uh, 
when they put together that dream team in, yeah. in 81, yeah. Seve didn't play. Oh, okay. Because Seve, Seve wanted appearance money. All right. And uh, it didn't go down well. Paul, yeah. let's, let's go back to your first Ryder Cup. You said you were quite new to caddying. What was the feeling like then? I mean, given that you, as you say, you were getting tattooed nearly every time you played the Americans, what, what was the general vibe going in? Unbelievable, Andrew. I mean, to represent your country at any level, I mean, as a golfer, incredible. As a caddy, also incredible because you're part of the team. So uh, to be involved, I mean, I've been lucky enough to represent my country on on two occasions, one as a, as a caddy and another as a singer when I represented England in uh, the Iron Curtain equivalent of the Eurovision Song Contest right. called the yeah. Golden Orpheus. Yeah. Uh, which I managed to win yeah. in Bulgaria, Sunny Beach, Bulgaria, in 1982. And the guest of honour was uh, my idol, Roy Orbison. Wow. Uh, so to 3,000 people, I, I sang uh, So Deep as the Night uh, with the Bulgarian Symphony Orchestra and won the, uh, the Golden Orpheus Song Festival. So to represent my country on two occasions, one as a singer and one as a golf caddy, was mind-blowing. But as you say, the nerves and the feeling... Uh, of pride, uh, everybody's nervous in Ryder Cup, Andrew. Everybody. Okay, so what's you know, to, to any, at, anybody that at that time, like everyone's. I mean, this everyone's playing for not in the Ryder Cup, but in professional golf, everyone's playing for money. In this sense, they're playing for their country. Which ones seem to have more gravity in your mind? Oh, playing for your country. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that, that that came over the years because things changed dramatically where, I mean, in, in those days, I, I remember in 69 at Royal Birkdale, my local course, where uh, the caddies went on strike because of the boiler suits they were made to wear. And the caddies went on strike uh, because it, it was a it was a hot, hot time and these big, thick boiler suits and, and the caddies objected because they weren't getting paid. You know, there was no there was no prize money. So there was no percentage money for the caddies. All they were getting was the, the wages. And at that time, wages were very small. Uh, the money hadn't come into the game like it is now. I mean, there are several caddy millionaires now because, as you know, the prize money, is, I mean, the FedEx prize money, 20 million, uh, yeah. you know, uh, for, for, one, for one day, you know, for one day. And the, the caddy is getting a, a large slice of that. So, yeah. I mean, so the money you- wasn't there then. Yeah, how did you feel when you saw that Pat, you know Patrick Cantlay picked up fifteen million dollars to win the um, the final a few weeks ago? To just, just go, uh, oh my god! Just wish that I was still carrying. <laughs> yeah, wish just wish that uh, Dobbs disease, uh, date of birth disease, hadn't caught up with me because I was around at the wrong time. I was around too early, even though I loved every minute of it and and wouldn't change a thing. It was just that I was around before the money came into the game. Uh, a lot of it was. Pure enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like five pounds a round uh, when I came on tour, if you're lucky. And I think sometimes like two and a half percent of the prize money, which, you know, you could negotiate as years went on. Okay. It's a lot more than that now. All right. But, so listen, um, back, to, back to 73. If your man's teed yeah. it up with um, against Nicholas. I did. I've read something this morning about Nicholas that he was one of the greatest competitors in the history of the world on the golf course off the golf course, uh, not so, quite genteel and quite approachable. 
Very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I come confer with those. Uh, I mean, J Jack's a, a great guy, a great guy. Uh, great to great to talk to. And that, that was a, a massive thing for me. As I said to you previously, we weren't, even though we were in the squad, we weren't in the original lineup. Uh, I call it the batting lineup because our opening batsmen were a very formidable pair of Brian Barnes and Bernard Gallagher. And uh, they, Barnes, who was a great player, uh, a great driver of the ball, as you know, beat Nicholas twice in one day uh, later in later years. Great guy, came out to Australia an awful lot. I spent a lot of time with him out here and in New Zealand. Very popular, real character, as I say, a great player. And, and Gallagher uh, also raised his game tremendously uh, after an altercation with Trevino in 1969 where he didn't back down. And Trevino said, if you didn't have a short game, you'd be selling hamburgers, the sort of things that Lee would say. But uh, Gallagher and Barnes used to cheat up against Casper and Trevino uh, and win the games. But uh, Bernard got food poisoning after the first day's uh, play in North Berwick. And when I arrived at Muirfield the next morning, uh, people said, uh, Paul, get your, get your gear on. You, you're playing. I said, no, no, we're just practicing. He said, yeah. no, you're playing. Yeah. Uh, Gallagher's got food poisoning. You're in the team. I was caddying for Peter Butler, very fine player. And uh, that was it. So we were in the morning foursomes. And our partner was uh, Brian Barnes, who I got on great with. So we're hitting balls on the, uh, on the range. And Barnes, he sidles up to me and says, I said, morning, Paul. I said, morning, Brian. How are you feeling? I said, great. Nervous? Lying through my back teeth? I said, no, not at all. I could hardly speak. My mouth was that dry even then. Yeah. And, uh, and you're, and you're caddying. Yeah. And he said, uh, how's Butty? You know, my player, Peter Butler. I said, great. He said, how's he hitting it? I said, great. He said, is he nervous? I said, no, not at all. <laughs> he said, Good. Tell him he's hitting the first shot because I'm crapping myself. <laughs> but as I said, we drew, we were lucky we drew two hackers called Jack Nicholas and Tom Weisskopf. Yeah. And now enough's been said about Jack Nicholas, probably the finest uh, golfer of modern times. Uh, you know, the people may say Tiger, uh, but you know, the record is, is there. But those that didn't see Tom Weisskopf, Mr. Treat, there was a fabulous. Fabulous golfer. Okay. Um, it's, it's quite sacrilegious that Tom only won one major, the 1973 Open at Troon, where we finished sixth, where Peter Butler finished sixth, which pretty much got us into the uh, the Ryder Cup team. Okay. Uh, that year. That cemented our, our position. We we won the Texaco and we finished second in the Martini uh, and, and other tournaments. So we qualified, and uh, and that's the, as I said, that's the best way. But. Those that didn't see Weisskopf, Mr. Treat, six foot three, uh, slim, built like a one iron. And he also hit the best one iron. Him and Nicholas were, were kings of the one iron, you don't, which you don't see a lot of these days. But uh, just a fabulous golfer. And sure enough, after uh, 15 holes, we were three down. Um, and we thought we, were, we thought we were playing well, but uh, we'd come up against this maelstrom and we get on the uh, wonderful par three, the 16th, and uh, they were on the tee first. They knocked it on the green, and uh, then it was our turn, foursomes, 
alternate shots. And remember, we're talking about the the proper golf ball, as I call it, the Bellata yeah. golf ball, yeah. not the not the ball of today, which goes a million miles, far too spins coming out of the rough, bores through the wind. Um, to me, has ruined our game, took the finesse out of the game. But that's another story. So we get on the 16th team. Peter said, "How far, Paul?" I said, "187." That one. And he said, uh, four iron. And I said, no, I never backed off. And, and uh, you know, I think the main thing about caddying is to be affirmative, you know, be confident. Um, I said, no. He said, why not? I said, a couple of reasons. I said, it's still early morning. The air's still cold. The ball's not flying. I said, um, this hole plays slightly uphill. Uh, we didn't get the, the details that they get now where they get the fall in the land, the drop in the land and everything. I said, it plays slightly uphill. And I said, it's into the draft. It's into the breeze. And another thing, Peter, I said, we're three down with three to play. Hit the three, give it a chance. And he took it all on board. He hit the three, put a great swing in it. The ball sailed into the stratosphere. And next minute, all hell broke loose up at the green. That wonderful uh, par three. Yeah. It was the first hole <clears throat> one in Ryder Cup history. Yeah, wow. And, uh, anybody that doesn't think I wasn't proud of that achievement has got another thing coming because I certainly was. And But the, the nicest thing that came out of that, Andrew, was the great Jack Nicholas as we were walking uh, to the green, uh, them to pick the ball up and I was to get our ball out of the hole. Jack turned around to me and said, great caddying, Paul. Because yeah, he listened to all yeah, my, yeah. All my uh, you know, remonstrations and, and reasons and he just turned around and said, great caddying, Paul. And, and that to me was worth uh, worth more than any money. It was worth more than the case of champagne, which Peter Butler gave to me uh, for my efforts. Uh, and I split with the, the caddies of both teams because okay. the caddies, from, the, the American caddies never traveled. They, they didn't travel. They, they didn't start traveling until a few years later, I think, 1976, when they came over uh, to Europe. But uh, all, all our guys used to caddy for, um, you know, Scottish, Irish, English guys. Welsh guys used to carry for both teams, so I split the champagne with uh, with both sides. And uh, and so, Paul, well. can, can I? So, two things: a is that your greatest Ryder Cup memory, and b did you go on to win that match? No, we didn't. Uh, we 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 won that hole. Obviously, we won yeah. the seventeenth. Peter Butler was a great putter. All the put right across the seventeenth green, the par five uh, for a birdie. So we we won that hole, and then. Uh, funnily enough, Peter, who was a very straight uh, driver of a golf ball, uh, missed the fairway on the right on the tough 18th. And uh, being one down, uh, Barnsley uh, tried to hit a wood uh, out of it. Uh, and so we, we lost uh, two, two up, two down, okay. if you like. Now uh, We got a break in the afternoon. We, we, drew, uh, we drew two more hackers called Palmer and Sneed. Yeah, right. How was that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> what a day. What a, I mean, that, surely yeah. that must be one of the greatest days in golfing history for you. Unbelievable. You know, it, it really was. Uh, and then, you know, it, it got me thinking about the, the pride of the players and how much everybody was trying so hard, you know, for the country, for the families, for the, for the people, for the spectators. It, it, and that, that's instilled into me, the feelings in the Ryder Cup. And now... Uh, when I watch it, I, I can see I can see it all transposing into the players. Uh, the pressure 
is incredible, incredible. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you think... I remember one caddy. When yeah, go, sorry. He was so nervous, he, he couldn't speak. His mouth was that dry. I think he was caddying for David Guilford uh, at Kiowa. And uh, Guilford said, how far? <laughs> and Martin, Martin Grace, he tried speaking. His mouth was that dry, nothing came out. So he started to write it down. And when he showed it to Guilford, it was just a lot of scroll because his hand was shaking that much. So that's right. just a, an example of, of things that happen. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's the same or, or if it's just such a professional sport now that, it, you know, that, that sort of feeling's moved on and it's just, you know, everyone's getting in the zone and on they go. And Because it is, it is exciting to have it, you know, on again in, in a, it, well, in a few days, isn't it? Yeah, next week, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, Andrew, it is without doubt. For those three days, it's the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. This is well documented and and it pretty much unsurpassed. It, it it's absolutely enormous. Now you didn't um, you didn't get to war on the shore, did you? You nearly you no, nearly I got didn't. there. It's a funny story that because uh, I was caring for Mark McNulty in in ninety one, but when Mark didn't play, and Mark suffered quite a few uh, injuries. Uh, and, and, he, and he took um, he took time off. And, and uh, when he didn't play, I caddied for a very fine golfer called Eamon Darcy. And I, I got on well with Eamon, uh, another of the great Irish players. And I caddied for a lot of great Irish players. I caddied for himself, the great Christy O'Connor Senior. I caddied for him in Australia at Manly Golf Club. I caddied for Christy O'Connor Junior, his nephew, great player. Um, and I won the British Masters with him in 92. I caddied for Ronan Rafferty a couple of occasions, a very yeah. fine player that played out in Australia. And uh, I kept my last bag was with the, a young kid from uh, Hollywood in Northern Ireland, uh, six stone wet through when he was yeah. 16 years of age, yeah. Yeah. by the name of Rory McElroy. Right. And that was, that was my final uh, week of caddying because my body 
had caught up with me, my injuries, and uh, it was my body was telling me 35 years on tour was long enough for walking up and down volcanoes in Japan and mountains in uh, Colorado. And uh, pretty a couple of uh, months later, I had a knee replacement followed by another one and a hip replacement. So, so that was it. But the Irish players and Eamon Darcy, I carried for Eamon quite a lot on, on uh, when Mark took weeks off. Now, 91, Mark won the German Open for the fourth time at Hoborath in Germany. And that was the time when the Ryder Cup was picked. Right. But I got to, um, I got to the Belfry the week after, and uh, Eamon said, uh, there's no pressure, Paul. Um, uh, Bernard Gallagher, who was the captain, has uh, spoken to me and we're in the team. And I actually got measured at the Belfry for my uh, uniform. I was because yeah. that was the headquarters of the PGA. And uh, I got measured for my uniforms for Kiowa, the war on the shore. Uh, but um, it's very controversial. And uh, Eamon didn't, uh, didn't get picked. So what, get so, I, I so what happened? Why, why did he think he did get picked and then didn't get picked? Well, he, he, he didn't play in, in uh, uh, the German Open at Hoborath. And what happened there was that I think David Guilford had a, a top 10 finish uh, off the top of my head, uh, which, which helped his, uh, his standing. And uh, him and Paul Broadus, well, we beat, we beat Broadus in a playoff. We beat Paul in a playoff at Oberath that year. And uh, I think those two positions uh, helped their, their cause immensely. And uh, Eamon didn't get picked. And, right. Uh, those two were in the team, you know. But and, and right. Eamon had played Ryder Cup, and of course, all that wonderful five and a half footer at Muirfield Village against Crenshaw, when Crenshaw broke his footer, and and that gives you another idea, Andrew, about how traumatic the Ryder Cup is for a gentle Ben. You know, one of the nicest guys in the world was so irate that he he, he smashed his putter and put it with a two iron, and still put it great. Right. So. Uh, you know, it was um, it was a little controversial. I know Eamon was was very upset, as a lot of the Irish uh, people and fans were. But these things happen. Yeah, and it could have gone it could have gone the same way last week. I, I couldn't believe it with the double points at the PGA, which, which I found quite amazing. Uh, Lee Westwood could have been knocked out of the team after the season that he's had. Yeah, back to back seconds in the yeah. Arnold Palmer and and the play the TPC Players Championship. Uh, I mean, he could have been knocked out because it kept swinging. I don't know if you watched it, but the 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 teams kept you know the the teams kept switching. But that's how it goes. Yeah. So listen, when when with the war on the shore, I'm I'm guessing yeah. you watched that. Um, and not and not just as not just as a as uh, as an event that you could have been at. And could have experienced, um, but just to see it unfolding must have been un- unbelievable as well. It certainly was. Uh, it, 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 it was incredible. The war on the show. I mean, it is things have started to get a bit bitter and, and a bit touchy by that time. Um, and what was the cause of that? Winning because we started winning. Okay. Because with the advent of Seve and Langer and the Europeans, we started winning and. Quite basically, the Americans didn't like it up them, as they, they said in Dad's army. 
didn't like it up them, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mannering. And uh, that's when things changed dramatically and it got very, very serious. And a lot of uh, bad things happened that week. Uh, uh, phone calls in the middle of the night to the players' hotel, alarms going off uh, to stop them getting sleep, um, balls being kicked out of the or thrown out of the crowd. Um, a lot of bad things uh, happened and it was it was quite vitriolic, uh, Andrew. And you remember the the last uh, day, Erwin and Langer, where Erwin snap-hooked his ball, which was very unusual. I carried for Hale Erwin at Royal Melbourne, a fabulous player, and he, under pressure again, snap-hooked into the... And the ball miraculously appeared uh, out of the crowd. I mean, David Fairty at the time said that ball had to be thrown out. You know, I mean, yeah. he just couldn't have... Uh, you know, these are the things that happened. It happened in Ireland a lot with Christie, Christie yeah. Senior, yeah, things like that. You know. So when you um, say so, just just with the war on the shore, when you say you know some some bad things happened, I mean it all and it did come down to that last part, and it came down to um, Langer giving Irwin. I mean, what was it? It wasn't wouldn't have even been a putter length, would it? Um, a, yeah, I mean a putter a grip. So um, yeah. was that? I mean, Amazing. he had to give the part obvious. Well, not obviously, but no, no, he didn't. Let's let's just look at the that last guy, the last day, the last match, the last hole. Just talk us through what happened. Well, uh, you know, as I said, the the ball came out of the the crowd on the left, and uh, it, it it came down to the last two putts. Um, Bernard had a spike mark on his line, which was very instrumental. Erwin uh, put it up, and I don't know the exact distance. Some people said it was two and a half feet. Yeah, well, okay. Two and a half feet is definitely not a gimme. Uh, even if it was two feet, it, it's not a gimme in a, in a pressure situation. And I know that a lot of the Europeans were were very surprised that Bernard again. Bernard may have done that to to fire himself up because he had to hold his butt. Uh, but the uh, to the spike mark, which nowadays could have been tapped down, mm. not not then uh, on his line, which he had to negotiate and just. Uh, Narrowly missed, you know, and I remember vividly uh, seeing Bernard and Sevi crying, crying their eyes out. They, they were that emotional about it uh, because it, it was it was such a big thing. Um, it got to people so much when you see two great champions like that who who fought bitter battles themselves on the yeah. course to be hugging each other and and, and breaking down. Incredible. And and is, and is that one of the things you think that is so great about the Ryder Cup is that it does it is so emotive. I mean, I, I can't look. I can't remember where it was, but I remember the Americans cheering wildly somewhere. In the, and this is in the last ten or so years, and it was just at, and it appeared out of order. Like it would, it broke. It appeared to break the moral rules of golf. It's yeah. not the not the actual rules. Yeah. It did, that did start happening. Um, I've never agreed with it. Uh, it did start happening. It's it's something that's uh, come into the game now, same as the uh, getting the whole shouts. Yeah. And yeah. all these crazy shouts. You, you don't get much of that in Europe. Uh, mm. You know, the mashed potato and all these sh- crazy shouts, you know, getting the whole T-shirt on a 600-yard par four. Uh, it's uh, you know it, 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 it's it's crazy and I certainly don't agree with the booing uh, of uh, 
unfortunate shots. Uh, but it's something that's crept into the game. And mm. as you say, it's so emotive and the feelings are that high. Um, but it now seems to be taken in good heart. Um, yeah. And the players, even though they give everything, are still great friends after the event. And so what of this Ryder Cup? What What is exciting you most about this? I, I, I know you watch the golf um I'll be, I'll be glued know exactly what's going on. So what? What? I'll, what be, I'll, <laughs> I'll be glued to. I'll turn into a couch potato uh, at all ridiculous hours to watch it. Uh, it's going to be very tough for us this year. Uh, make no doubt about it. They've got an incredibly strong team. I'm very surprised and actually delighted that Billy Horschel wasn't selected after his performance last week. He played superb golf all week, and particularly the last day under pressure. And the fact that uh, Stricker didn't pick him, mm. uh, I'm not so sure that um, they got it right with the six picks. I don't know. I, I think maybe playing your way into the team with three picks like ours may have been better, but that's what they choose to do. And then of the six picks, uh, Billy Horshaw wasn't picked. I know he was bitterly, bitterly disappointed but more disappointed that he didn't get a phone call yeah. to tell him that he hadn't been picked. Okay. That, uh, okay. Steve Stricker's a nice guy uh, and honourable uh, person, and, and that is absolutely amazing, Andrew. But as I say, having won the WGC World Match Play, I'm delighted that Billy Horschel is not in their team, but they've got an incredibly strong team, and uh, it's going to be tough. It's, it's always tough. You know, you, you see the, the results lately, the half-points, Tied games, uh, it's going to be close. It 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 always is now. Uh, actually, in Paris last year, uh, that was quite a resounding uh, a resounding victory for us um, in, in a Paris National. But uh, you know the the results of late. I don't know all the scores, but they've they've been they've been pretty close. The, the Medina, the miracle of Medina. Uh, you remember that? I mean. They're incredibly, uh, incredibly tight games. Yeah. And what, what did you think about Poulter getting the captain's pick for uh, for Europe? Well, I predicted, I predicted the three picks, and uh, they were looking like it was going to change. I, I predicted that Shane Lowry, because he's played great, he's a major winner. Mm. I was at Port Rush when he at Royal Port Rush, where I'd I'd caddy for Arnold Palmer previously, and I, to watch um, Shane Lowry win around there and playing fabulous golf, a major winner. And he's played great in America this year. He's won in America. He's played great. He's, he's tried. Okay, it didn't go well on the last day, last week, but deservedly uh, got a pick. Um, I thought Poulter would get a pick because of his involvement, his terrific uh, emotional aspect in the dressing room, on the course. The postman always delivers. Uh, you know, and he's tried, he's tried his guts out all all year to get in the team. So yeah, I pretty and Sergio, I mean, I caddied for Sergio in his first pro tournament at El Prat in Barcelona. Sevi Ballesteros recommended me for the job, uh, got me the job, and I caddied for, for Sergio in his first pro event. And I've got to say, one of the finest ball strikers I've ever caddied for. If he could have putted that week, he'd have won by a country mile. Yeah, wow. Uh, because he. Yeah, for a, a guy that was meant to be an unbelievable putter as an amateur, 
and a course that he knew well and he'd won on, uh, his putting was was not even closer. Yamo Sandlin, uh, Swedish player, won and oh, putted him to death. Uh, I mean, I haven't got the stats for that, but uh, uh, Sergio Tita Green, unbelievable and quite rightly got a pick because right. uh, he's still one of the finest drivers and iron players, uh, typical Spanish inventor around, around the greens. And Before you go, I just, when you played against Palmer and Sneed in the afternoon, after your Nicholas and Weisskopf morning, how was your, how was your afternoon? Oh, God. Can it get any better? You know, you're thinking, well, you thought, you thought we'd gone into it in the morning, but uh, then uh, the afternoons to run into another maelstrom. And I think we, I think we did better in the afternoon. We only got beat two and one in okay. the afternoon. Uh, maybe one down, but uh, it's just uh, just an un- unbelievable feeling. And as I say, at that time you realise the enormity of it and the strength, the strength of their team. But uh, thank goodness that uh, the Europeans were involved in the team, and so they should have been. They were a big part of the uh, the PGA European Tour, and, and particularly Seve and Bernard and and, and all the Spanish players. And there have been other since, you know, Dubuisson, the French player. That did yeah. well, and Peters, the you know the uh, the Belgian player, who all contributed. Col Sarts. Um, so it, it's quite right that they were involved, and it, it certainly changed the whole the whole format of the occasion. But uh, once again, we'll see what happens, Andrew. You'll be watching. I'll be watching. Um, listen, Paul. Thanks so much for your time. It's great to chat once again. Um, with things sort of starting to loosen up a little bit in the uh, the COVID world, I'm expecting that you'll be out um, singing again and and doing golf club talks. So if you want to get a hold of Paul, you can literally the best thing to do is Google uh, Paul Stevens, the singing caddy, um, and you'll find him and his management online and get a hold of him because he is a really terrific speaker. And the stories he's got, I mean, what we've we've told what four stories today. There's 4,000. There's 4,000. So, Paul, thanks thanks very much. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much. And I really hope so, too, to get back into it because the lockdown came after my two standing innovations at New South Wales and Manly. I Mm. thought, well, things are going to look up, but then the lockdown came. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, things will start getting back to some form of normality. But thanks once again, Andrew. Great speaking to you. Great seeing you. Thank you, Paul. Really terrific. Thank you. So that's Paul Stevens. Isn't he fantastic? As I said, I've put his details, his contact details in the show notes. So if you want to get a hold of him to get him to your club, standing ovations at Manly Golf Club at New South Wales, and he's literally talked and sang around the world, um, that'll be the place to get him. And I hope you enjoy the Ryder Cup. Next week on golf, no idea what we're doing, but I'm sure it'll be good. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.